Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Media. I'm your host, Juliana Martins, and today we have a fellow podcaster on, TikTok star Jenna Pallett. Jenna is a friend of mine I recently met in LA through our mutual friends, Connor Saley and Mike Jojo, who you might remember from the first episode of Behind the Media, The Water Boys. Jenna is based in Austin, Texas, and started the Fun on Weekdays podcast where she encourages spontaneity every day of the week. Her large and engaged following on TikTok and Instagram looks to her for recommendations on fashion, lifestyle, and everything in between. Her story and advice for people wanting to break into TikTok and podcasting is so interesting, so I'm super excited to share it with you all. Hello, hello. I'm so excited today to have my friend Jenna Palak on the podcast today. Hey, Jenna. Hey, girl. How's it going? I'm good. I'm actually, this is so funny for everybody listening. I am currently at Jenna's home and <laughs> she is currently not here. She's in San Diego. And that's why I'm wearing this giant coat because it's always so cold in here. I know that Airbnb has like it has the best airflow, which can be really good in the summer. But right now, it's too cold for me. It's it's horrible. <laughs> so you had to escape to San Diego. Yeah. It, it's cold here, too. We woke up this morning, and it was raining, really dreary. It's in, like, mid-60s. So I feel like anything less than, like, 75 is really cold to me now. <laughs> but yeah, it's starting to clear up. So hopefully we'll have a good sunny weekend. I hope so, because that's not what you want when you go to San Diego for the weekend. Like you want it, you want it to be nice. I know, I know. I I have faith. I'm sure it'll brighten up. Sending you all the vibes. So I'm so excited to have you on today. You have just such a cool story, and everything that's happened to you, I feel like has happened like so fast. And so I really want to talk about TikTok first. Like you're, you had a viral video. And that was actually your application to work for TikTok in 2020. So how can you tell the audience about that video, what you did and how you came up with that idea? Yeah. So that's kind of my like claim to fame, I guess, how everything all came about. So obviously TikTok had been around like my senior year of college. I was posting like just silly TikToks dancing with my friends. I really never used it as a platform to like try and grow on it or to try and do anything other than just like entertain myself. Um, and then when I was starting to think about jobs, it obviously the pandemic hit and no one was hiring. And I was no longer just competing with people that were graduating college and looking for jobs, but it was people who lost their jobs and had way more experience than me. And I think it was really easy to get discouraged because at the time I was investing, I mean, obviously I was staying at home quarantined. So I had a ton of time to invest in like LinkedIn and building my portfolio and applying. And I invested in LinkedIn premium. And I remember it was always so discouraging because you could see how many people applied and like where you stood in the rankings, if you're in like the top 25% or not even in the top 50. <clears throat> and so I remember I came across this job posting for TikTok and the only thing that I knew I really wanted to do was to move to Austin, Austin, Texas. I did an internship for Sherry Hill there in college. And so when I graduated, that was just my main goal. And there's really not a lot of fashion jobs in Austin. That's what I went to school for was fashion merchandising. So when I saw this TikTok job, it was like an account management position and it had to do with marketing and advertising and stuff. And I knew that I didn't necessarily fit like what they were looking for in terms of experience. But I knew that if they saw my personality, then they would be like, wow, this girl is perfect for it. So I stayed up all night making this resume that looked like TikTok. It was very cute. I just finished my senior capstone project. So I was really good at like 
Photoshop at the time. And I went to go submit it the next day and the job posting had been taken down. And I was so upset because I was like, oh my God, all they need to do is just like see me and I'm not willing to give up yet. So I impulsively just decided to make a TikTok that night. I was wearing no makeup. I I looked like this. (laughs) I was wearing no makeup. I was wearing sweatpants. And it was just very impulsive, basically like why they should hire me kind of highlighting my resume because since I couldn't submit the resume online, I was like, I'm just going to vocally do my resume, I guess. And so it's pretty crazy. It was like the first video resume, essentially. And then that video blew up overnight. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, like eventually they're going to have to see this. And then about two days later, I got a call from recruiter in LA um, that asked me to interview. And then two weeks later, interviewed for the job, got it, and then moved to Austin in July 2020. So I was just kind of using TikTok along the way to kind of document the experience of like people saw the video go viral and then they wanted updates like, did you get a call? Did you get an interview? How'd the interview go? Did you get another one? So I just started using TikTok as a way to kind of document all of it. And it's really cool now because I can look back and just see how much I've grown. Mm -hmm. But over that, I started to kind of grow a following on TikTok that was very engaged um, and very active with following with my life. And then through that, just kind of became more of like a lifestyle thing and less about career. But yeah, that's that's how it all started. So where did you find that inspiration and creativity to keep going when you didn't have a following? So like where you just thought of that idea that where did that come from? I mean, obviously you're a creative person. <laughs> so at the time I had about 8,000 followers on TikTok because I had one viral video before ever having a following. And it was literally of me putting my finger in my friend's belly button because she was wearing this shirt that had like a bunch of buttons down the front and they were like holes in between the the, the buttons, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. It was just such a stupid video. It was like five seconds. And all these like random people followed me. So I had like 8,000 followers, but they weren't engaging or anything. So when I made the TikTok video, it was honestly just like, I have nothing to lose. It's not like I have anyone that's following me. Like the worst thing that could possibly happen is the video like doesn't take off. Best thing that happens is the video does take off and then it did. But people always ask where I got like the inspiration from it. And honestly, it was kind of out of like spite. Not not like a bad spite, but more so like I just spent so much time making this perfect, beautiful resume. But at the end of the day, I knew that like it's just a piece of paper. And what they mm-hmm. really needed to see was just like my personality and my longing to like want to learn. And I felt like a video format was the best way to really show who I was and like what I could contribute to the company. So it was very, very impulsive. I think oftentimes people think that there was like, a lot of strategy behind it. There truly wasn't. I was just kind of like "Mm, last ditch effort. Like what else could I do? It's amazing that you use their platform to get their attention and show them that you were the right candidate for this all. Yeah, it is really cool. So now looking back on it too, it's like I use TikTok to get a job at TikTok. And then I use TikTok to grow a following. And then I eventually quit my job at TikTok to make more TikToks. So it's It's very much like a full circle, uh, Full circle story for sure. But it got you. That's it's just crazy. Like what you put out there manifesting and just like taking everything. What's the the saying? Like taking the bull by its horns. Like you made all of that happen in, in just like such a short amount of time. So yeah. <laughs> what advice do you have for people that are trying to be successful on TikTok? People ask me this all the time. Like, how do you become an influencer? How'd you get started on TikTok? And I think like the key to it is that you just can't try 
like the second that you try too hard to be like to grow a following it's just like not as authentic like I think that you should just have fun and be yourself completely and the people that relate to you will just naturally gravitate towards you like you will find that community but like you're not going to find a community by pretending to be somebody else on TikTok and I think that's like really easy to do on Instagram but TikTok gives you this platform now where like I I rarely ever wear makeup. I'm usually always like <laughs> when I wake up in the morning and I feel like I've never really shown that side of myself on other social mm-hmm. media. So I guess my biggest advice is just like be yourself because people are attracted to personality. Okay. And so you have, so you were saying earlier that TikTok has really given you this platform to quit your job and branch off and start building your own brand. And so a part of that brand is your podcast, Fun on Weekdays. Yeah. So can you tell us about your inspiration for starting that podcast? Yeah. So Fun on Weekdays was also, yet again, one of these other like impulsive decisions that I made. And you you asked for advice and I kind of like went around that answer, but And you said, oh, it's so cool. Like you made it happen. Like the necklace that I wear every day says make it happen. That's kind of my like motto that I live by. If you ever want to do something, like no one's stopping you from doing that other than yourself and like your doubt, I guess, which I have a lot of doubt too. So I understand. But at the end of the day, like if you want to do something, you can if you like go make it happen. So the the podcast kind of came about because as I started sharing my life of, you know, getting the job at tech in at TikTok moving across the country. I didn't know anyone. The city had just shut down because of COVID. Um, I moved into my first apartment. At the time, I was like going on dates and meeting new friends. And I was just documenting all of that, like sharing my outfits or what I was doing, some of like my struggles of working from home, stuff like that. And then people would often comment and be like, your life looks so fun. You make me want to move to Austin. And I eventually started to get like a lot of those comments here and there. And over time, it just kind of built up and I started thinking about it. And I'm like, it's not the city that I live in. Like, yes, of course, Austin is amazing. But I think it's more so just the mindset that I see tweets all the time that people are like, so you mean to tell me that we're just supposed to wake up every day at eight o'clock and work and then go back to sleep and do it again until we're 60 years old and we can retire and enjoy our lives. And I was like, that's just, if that's the mindset you have, then of course, you're not going to like, feel motivated or inspired or feel like you're having a fun life. Like I have a fun life because I enjoy it every single day of the week. Yeah. And my sister lost her best friend really unexpectedly this spring, super young, like 26 years old. And I think it just kind of hit me like, oh my God, if tomorrow was my last day, I would hope that the day before I did something that like was fun for me. And it doesn't need to be anything elaborate, but like Every single day, I try to switch up my routine just a little bit. And then I made this video talking about that. And at the end of it, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. It's called like Fun on Weekdays. Just like the, you didn't have any premeditated plan. No, no, not at all. Cool, cool. <laughs> so I I just said it. Like I, and I think that's prob- probably like part of the power of being impulsive is like you just come up with these ideas and you just run with it. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it flops, uh, but you never really know. So I said I was going to start this podcast and then sure enough, that video like blew up. I think it had like 120,000 likes. I don't remember how many views, but then I was like, oh my God, people actually like want that. And so then my managers, they're like, oh, well, if you want to do a podcast, like let's do it. Like let's get everything set up for it. 
And then along that, I just started sharing the journey of starting a podcast, whether it was like taking my cover photos, picking the outfits for the cover photos, getting ready for it, just literally every single aspect of it. So people felt really, really invested in just the entire like story behind it. So that when it finally came out, there's a lot of anticipation. But that's, I mean, that's where it came from. <laughs> and then eventually it just got to a point where I was like, I was kind of working three full-time jobs and I was just assessing like, what makes me the happiest and what do I see myself mm-hmm. doing in the future? And then eventually I was like, I need to quit my job so that this could be what I think it could be. I love that. And I'm also impulsive, but I like to call it strategic impulsiveness. Like we yeah. are, we're not off the rails ladies, you know, we are impulsive, but we are making shit happen. Yeah, for sure. Like so you can be impulsive, weekday- but also think about <laughs> the repercussions of your impulsiveness. Like it's backfired for sure many times, but there are times like this where it works out. So yeah, no, this is awesome. And I didn't know that's how you started, that you just kind of s- said it in yeah. passing and then it turned into all of this that yeah. it is today. <laughs> And so on that note, you have such a big following on the fun on weekdays podcast. You have people in different states that listen. People are starting group message and meeting other listeners out and about. So why do you think that fun on weekdays is accepted and loved by so many people? Is it because you're documenting every second of your life and people are really invested? Or do you think like, how do you think that community is fostering? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Somebody actually tagged me in a TikTok video yesterday of people talking about how like those like really highly engaged followers are coming from creators who are like breaking the fourth wall. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just picking up your phone. Like you're just talking directly to people. It feels like a FaceTime. You feel like you're friends. And it's just like every personal detail about your life almost to a point where it's like you feel like we're truly friends. And I I think that's how a lot of people feel. And so maybe the fact that a lot of the people that follow me have a very similar mindset and values, I think it's really easy to connect with each other. But also a lot of the people that follow me are kind of in the same stage of their life where they're like, okay, I'm in my mid 20s, or I'm in college, or I'm like, you know, I'm in my upper 20s. And I'm realizing now that like, I want to do something with my life. And I needed somebody to give me the motivation to know that I'm capable of it. And then I I don't know, I guess through through like the podcast, people started connecting through it. I hosted my first event in Austin and I encouraged people to just come alone to meet new people and people became friends from that. I started like a group meet for everybody who was going alone. So if they wanted to meet girls beforehand and have like a pregame or go together so they didn't feel awkward or uncomfortable. Um, but I think overall just creating a com- like a space where you shouldn't feel awkward to go anywhere alone because like that's fully accepted and encouraged. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, now I have a Facebook group where there's girls from so many different cities that they've all started making their own group meets. So like I know that there's a big group of girls in Nashville that just got together for dinner the other night. My sister actually got together with three other girls in Lakewood, Ohio. And so it's really cool to hear the stories of people that like are meeting up in person and actually making friends because of something so like minuscule that I did. Wow. That must be like such a crazy feeling too, that these people are making these relationships or these lasting relationships based on something you're putting out into the universe. That's just such, that's so positive. I love that. Yeah. And I think over time, like I was talking about this the other day because when I went to college, I went to school for fashion and I always just kind of assumed that like I was going to build a brand someday. I always knew I wanted to own a business. 
And I always just kind of assumed because I worked in a dress store and all of my experience was in bridal and prom and stuff like that, that I wanted to start like a clothing brand. But over the time with everything that I've done with fun on weekdays, I think what I value the most is being able to bring people together and Mm -hmm. being able to like just connect people being a part of the memories of their lives. And if they make like one small change in their life because of something that I said, I think that is like what is most valuable to me. So I've just been kind of like reassessing, okay, what can I do that's bigger than just like a podcast? You know, like how do I elevate fun on weekdays to make it an actual experience and like a way that people live their lives, I guess. So I'm still kind of playing around with that. I have some ideas, but I don't know. So yeah, it's been like really exciting and it's definitely a humbling thing when people tell me that they like made a new friend or maybe Mm -hmm. they had the confidence to quit their job and like pursue a passion that they always wanted to do, but we're always like a little nervous about. I think that like my story, it's not meant to like tell my story and brag. It's meant to like try to really empower other people to be able to do the exact same thing. Like I'm just a very normal girl. (laughs) And so I try to share that in like every way that I can. And I like that you had like a normal start too. Like you are literally a normal girl from Ohio. You have just been working your ass off and all of this good energy is coming to you because of the work you're putting in. Yeah, for sure. And I think people have to realize too that like I have always been the type of person that I've had multiple projects going on at one time. So like I totally get that you have to work a full-time job to have like that steady income. And there's obviously like a lot of risks with leaving that job because there's an uncertainty of like not having that income. So while I was doing like my full time at TikTok, I was also starting to do like partnerships on TikTok. And then I was also just doing like random side projects. Like I would always say yes to everything just to mm-hmm. make like a little bit of extra money. And I feel like that definitely really helps to kind of get to where I am too. There's really like no formula. Yeah, um, I guess on on that note and not that question, how did you transition from a nine to five to working for yourself? Like were there struggles in that? Oh, like yeah. you just said, you were taking on all these side gigs. So after you quit, were you ever like, holy shit, I have no income. What do I do? Like what what was that like? Yeah, so when I decided to quit my job, I was very fortunate because I got into a point where like my brand partnerships were, they were coming in like a lot more, consistently, I was starting to make a lot more money from like ads. And that's really like where I get my income from is doing ads on TikTok, sometimes on Instagram. But like for me, my my major following is TikTok. And so like that can definitely be hard because it's very sporadic. And like you don't get paid for a lot of those campaigns until 60 days later. So Mm. it can be hard to kind of budget for sure. But I quit my job at a time that I knew that I would be able to sustain myself just solely based on those partnerships. But when I actually quit, like I definitely had an identity crisis. And I think I tried to kind of mask that as much as I could. And I don't, I looking back, I don't know why, because I think that people would have appreciated if I was honest about like, when I quit my job, I literally lost a part of myself. I lost a part of my routine schedule. And just like, I don't know, I think that I kind of built myself into this person like, oh, I work at TikTok. And it's just such like a good brand name that people are like, oh my God, that's so impressive, you know? And then when I no longer do that, I just was kind of struggling to figure out like, what's my next move? And obviously, of course, you have people's opinions in the back of your mind about me quitting. So that was definitely a struggle too. Obviously, you and I are both very good friends with Connor and Mike. And so 
being surrounded by them so often, especially when they have like similar ventures of their own where like they've quit their job and they know the struggles and everything. That's definitely helped me to... It's hard to figure out when you're the only person in charge of yourself. Like you can make excuses for everything. You can procrastinate everything. And then eventually a week has passed and you're like, holy shit, I didn't do anything. And it's because no one is holding you accountable to do it. So in a sense, there have been a lot of times where I've been like, I don't know, I kind of want to go back to a nine to five because I almost feel like to a, to a point, I was a little bit better at like these side projects, like about the, the podcast and about like the partnerships because it was something that I got to do rather than like something I had to do. Because the second you make something a job, it like it becomes a lot more stressful. So I've definitely, definitely struggled with it. And I don't think that it'll ever necessarily be like perfect. But over time, it's something I've like had to get comfortable with for sure. And just try to figure out like, how can I bring a sense of normalcy and routine to my life? Yeah, still trying to figure it out. So if anybody out there has some, uh, some recommendations for me, let me know. <laughs> I mean, you're preaching to the choir there. Obviously, I am in the same position where I am my own boss. I am fortunate enough to have my own company as well. And so I totally get what you mean. And especially the routine, like you have to shake it up or else it gets boring. Or like, do you have any structures? Like, is, is anyone helping you first off with emails or do you have an assistant? So I signed to J1S Agency in February and they do like all of my brand partnerships. So I have my own email where like brands will email me about events or like campaigns that they want me to be a part of. And if it's something that is paid, I'll hand them off to my agency to talk about like contracts and budget and timelines and stuff like that. But any other things that are unpaid, or like, for example, doing this podcast, like obviously I coordinated this with you. I don't mm-hmm. have anybody that's like a personal assistant to do this kind of stuff for me. So I've been trying to use my calendar a lot more, but I do have them that, and they help with like all of that back end stuff of, you know, lining up partnerships for me, especially the holiday season. It's been super chaotic. That's um, and then though. for my event, they basically like I gave them a mood board and a Pinterest of everything that I wanted at it, like the food the vibe, the decorations, everything. And then they kind of did all the back end work to do that. Been working on merch. So they've been helping me with like the fulfillment of that, the production. And then I've contracted a few like graphic designers to do that type of work. But yeah, I definitely have people helping me. But for the most part, I do do it on my own. And I think in the future, especially as I'm trying to grow like all of these different platforms, I think I'll definitely have to get like an assistant at some point. I think so too. And and that growth is really, really exciting once you do get to that level where like I'm going through that right now too, deciding that you do need extra help. You do mm-hmm. need somebody to start delegating some portions of your business to. And, and it's really exciting once you get to that point. Yeah. Um, how did you know that it was time to get an agent or management or did they find you? Connor and I had the same agent. And when I moved to Austin, they reached out to me in about I think it was like October of last year. And I had around like 70K on, on TikTok when they reached out. And, and what so do you I, have now? Uh, 365. 
365. Yeah, I just hit 365 today and I'm like, that's crazy. I have a thousand followers for every single day of the year. Like, can you imagine getting on a Zoom every single day for an entire year and a thousand people join and you meet every single person that follows you? Yeah, like how insane is that? And I think oftentimes I like don't realize how many people I'm actually talking to. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it is I can't really, grasp that. Yeah, it's really weird to put it in perspective. And obviously I'm like considered a mid-tier like creator on TikTok. So and I, I personally like it that way because it's manageable. It feels mm-hmm. still very like personal. And I, I still obviously like try to have communication with them as often as I can. But I, I imagine people like Charlie D'Amelio, I'm like, oh my God. Like you get so big and then you're kind of like out of touch, you know? Yeah, totally. I totally forgot what your question was. <laughs> uh, like when do you know when it's time to get an agent or management oh. or did they find you like how did that right all happen so they reached out to me October of last year and at the time I was still kind of like getting settled into my job and I was like I'm I don't want to do I don't want to be like an influencer I don't want to make money from this like I have other things to worry about right now especially moving to a new city like I'm just trying to establish myself here and I think the more things that I took on I would stress myself out um, mm-hmm. So that was one of the few times that I said no. And then I just kind of kept in touch with them over time. And eventually I started growing. And I think I was around like 170K, maybe maybe like 120 around the time that I signed them. And I started doing some like one-off partnerships myself. And it would start with like, I remember my first brand deal was $250. And I was like, oh my God, that's insane. And then my next one was 400. And I'm like, oh my God. I remember texting my parents, being like, holy shit, I'm making so much money. This is insane. <laughs> and then I did one for Canes, which I got paid like $900 for. The fried chicken? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this was like such a good side income. I was making videos that were like so true to myself. Like they all just naturally like flowed into my everyday life. And then I kind of got to a point where I was like, all right, well, this takes a lot of time for me to like negotiate how much I'm going to get paid. I don't know what to even ask for. I was pretty much just taking like whatever they offered me. I remember this one time, one of like my first campaigns, I worked with Keystone and it was a campaign on Instagram. I'd never done it in an Instagram campaign. And for just one Instagram photo, I remember highballing. They're like, how much do you charge and I remember saying two thousand dollars and they're like done and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) and at the time I was like holy shit okay at this point I wonder how much I could make if I wasn't the one that was taking the time out to like negotiate it to do the contracts if I had somebody who worked in the industry that actually knew what I was worth because as these brands were agreeing to pay more and more I was like am I underselling myself like Mm -hmm. So I just kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, maybe I could do this. Like as like a side thing, I had finally settled into my job at TikTok and um, I signed to them and things were like, things were pretty good for the first couple of months, but I would definitely say like September, it really, really took off. And I quit my job at the end of, uh, at the end of August. And I think like when I went full time, I definitely started getting more and more opportunities and more opportunities to like travel and stuff. And so as other brands saw me doing these other things, traveling, they realized, oh, okay, she has like time now. So we can invite her to events and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of took off from there. But I definitely was not open to an agent at first. And then it just got to a point where I was like, I think I would be a lot 
better at managing my time if I had somebody to do it for me. Professionally. Yeah. Yeah, that's my view as a publicist too is once you get to a certain level, it's also very awkward having those negotiations on behalf of yourself, especially when they're like trying to lowball you or they want to go down in price and you're trying to go up or you highball them or you like have to decline because it's like a weird opportunity. It's like so easy to throw that onto a third party. Like, I mean, I was just working with another reality star and it was this bizarre experience and and it's so easy for someone like me to swoop in. I, I do some things with partnerships too. It's so easy for me to swoop in and say no and be the bad guy than the talent to do it. So yeah. I think that's when it's super valuable to find an agency as well when you're getting all these opportunities and you're having to decline a lot and you're having to do all that back and forth because it just it gets awkward. Yeah. I will say that's like a huge thing is obviously I've gotten to a point now where and I really, really pride myself on this that I would not work with a brand if I didn't fully believe in them. Like if I would not spend my money on it, I'm not going to share it. And so like you said, there are a lot of brands that I turned down and it's so much easier for me to be like, no, I don't want to work with this brand and have my agents tell them than me to be like, hey, I don't like align with you. Like that's, that is awkward. Totally. Especially too, like if it's maybe like a publicist that has like five other brands. And so if you piss them off for this one brand, they probably won't reach out to you for the other one. So it's nice, like they still love you. Your image is protected, even though your agent said that this one opportunity is just not a fit. Yeah, for sure. So they've been very, very helpful. And I'm like very grateful for them. And I ultimately decided to work with them because they're like a boutique agency. They just started Mm -hmm. their talent division. And I knew that it was like, It felt very family focused, small business based out of Dallas. And they just truly felt like my friends. And they were like, we know that like, obviously you have an opportunity on social media, but what do you want to do past social media? Because, you know, obviously it's only as relevant for as long as you are. And essentially you could end your social media career like any day. So what do you want to do besides that? And they were like super encouraging of starting the podcast and like any other side projects that I want to do, like taking on merch and then taking on the events that I want to do. So mm-hmm. very grateful to sign with them. I think my advice to anyone would be to meet like on calls with the agents that you're considering working with and talk to people who are assigned to them and see how they feel about it. Because I have a lot of friends in the social media space that like they don't like their agents. And I think a lot of times if you sign to maybe more of these bigger, more well-known agencies, you think that you're going to get more brand deals. But realistically, they're going to spend less time caring about you because they have so many other people to manage, especially if you're one of the smaller creators on their list. I could see that. I also really love that your agency is strategic and thinking about the longevity and thinking about you as a personal brand, because that's Mm -hmm. something that I worry about is when is this influencer bubble going to burst? When is it going to pop? Are people going to care about like, let's say you're still doing this in 20 years. Are people still going right. to care? Are you still going to have a following? What's that going to look like? So it's awesome that you have these other business streams and you have like, you you did events. So now you could go into event planning or event hosting after you have a mm-hmm. podcast. So you can go into hosting. So you're building this resume of actual credible work. So if anything does ever happen or you just decide it's not for you anymore, you have all of these options and you haven't just been sitting doing nothing all day. You've been productive and putting positive content out into the universe. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And I think that's something that my parents were really mindful of too. When I told them I was going to quit my job, they're like, all right, well, I mean, we don't know how long this is going to last, but I guess like worst case scenario and not even worst case, like there could be a point where I just don't want to do this anymore. Like Mm -hmm. social media can be so taxing, especially when I share as much as I do. And there might be a point in my future where I'm like, I want to go back to a nine to five. Like I want to work for so-and-so. And And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think right now I have this opportunity. And if I didn't take it, I would kick myself and always just wonder what if. But yeah, like you said, I'm just thinking about okay, what else is there? Like, I know that I'm not just a TikTok account. I know that I'm not just a podcast. Like there's something that's more and I just need to figure out what it is. And I've been starting to have these like ideas lately. Like I'm really, I really think that I should start an alcohol brand. Like really, like based around like weekdays. You know what I mean? And it's like a early, very, you know, Jenna-esque. But you know, and then you think about it, you're like, okay, there's so many risks that come with that. Like, I don't know anything about beverages So there's a lot of research that that requires. But yeah, I mean, who knows? I might be doing social media in 20 years. I might be a mom influencer and the people that follow me are going to grow up with me and they're going to build a family with me. And like that could be really amazing, but it also might not work out that way. So I'm mindful of like, (laughs) this could literally end tomorrow. (laughs) Remember that time that you said on a TikTok that you're going to start a podcast randomly and then you did it? Yeah. Well, you just said that you're going to start an alcohol brand. So maybe we'll see that coming <laughs> in the near future. Yeah. Who knows? Honestly, I it's funny looking back now because I have some friends from my hometown that are like, Jenna, you should start a podcast. And I'm like, hell no. Like, no, I don't even listen to podcasts. Why would I start one? And then I started one. They're like, Jenna, you, sh- you should really quit your job. And I'm like, no, I would never quit my job at TikTok. <laughs> like, it's such a good job. It's such like a sought after company. Why would I? Why would I be stupid enough to quit it? And then sure enough, I quit my job. And so now every time somebody says something, I never think that it's like stupid enough that it could never possibly happen because every time I say no, never, it always ends up being the opposite. So who knows? Next year at this time, I might be sitting here drinking one of my own drinks. (laughs) It's like people can see you sometimes more than you can see you, like an outside perspective, like they can see all the success that maybe you can't see yet and all the potential. So I love that. I love that too. I think it's important to surround yourself with people that do see that too as well. Totally. And yeah, we got we got a good group around us right <laughs> yeah, now, definitely. I think. <laughs> how, speaking of a good group, how are you able to balance the positives and the negatives of being on social media? So you have this awesome fan base. You have all these people that are just so positive, but then it's social media. You're going to have trolls. You're going to have people that are so, so curious about your personal life. Like how do you deal with privacy and just mean comments. Yeah. So I would say in terms of privacy, people usually like respect my privacy. The only thing that people really want to know about is just my dating life. And like, obviously, you know, I used to make a lot of content around my dating life. Like if I was going on a date, I'd show the outfits and then I'd give a little synopsis of how it went or I would go on TikTok live after it and I would give like a breakdown of everything. And so I think that people just naturally are invested in my dating life. Um, So when I stopped sharing so much about it, people like obviously wanted to know. And I don't I don't blame them for that. Like you feel like you're friends with somebody. So you're like, why aren't you sharing that? Mm -hmm. But in terms of like negativity, I would say typically I just handle it with like sarcasm or sass back. Like I think oftentimes the best way to handle it is, well, number one, by not acknowledging it. But number two, if you can handle it with like grace and 
respect for yourself, but also stand up for yourself in a way that is not rude or mean or like tearing down the person that said something to you. Like if you're nice back to somebody who's mean to you, they're going to feel stupid eventually. Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't really had like that much negativity. I will say like recently I had a falling out with a friend and that led to so many hurtful, mean comments. But the thing is, is that like all it takes on TikTok is for one person to say something mean for everybody else to feel like it's okay to dog pile onto it. Like it takes that one person who is ballsy enough to share the first negative comment for everybody else to think, oh, it's okay. And that was truly like the first time that I've had like really, really mean things said about me, like about my weight or my style or my acne or like my relationship. And those are all things that I try to remind myself like, when you say stuff like that, it's a projection of yourself and your own insecurities. It doesn't really define myself. Mm -hmm. But I think the comments that hit the hardest are just like about my character. And I think especially when I quit my job, I had a, a little bit of backlash of like, you're just another influencer. Like you're not relatable anymore. I used to like you until you started doing so many ads or like you're not the same anymore. It's gotten to your head. And I'm like, but the people that actually follow me and are truly invested in me, like they would want me to evolve. They would want to see me grow. They wouldn't want to bucket me and like not allow me to pursue something that I'm passionate about. So at the mm -hmm. end of the day, those aren't necessarily the people that I want following me because I want to create a community where everybody that follows me is, you know, like encouraging of each other. And not that it's like I'm tuning out anybody who has anything bad to say about me, but I think that why say anything bad about anyone? Like you can you can give your criticism, but it doesn't need to be mean. Like it doesn't need to be negative. So, I mean, it's definitely hard. I've had days where I've like laid in bed crying, <laughs> like especially in LA, like being so far away from Austin too, that was really difficult. Yeah. I mean, you have your days and I've shared those days and there are days that I don't share. So I think just realize that it doesn't matter how many followers somebody has, like comments and messages hurt. And obviously a hundred nice messages is like, I mean, one one mean message it can really like throw off your day, even though if you've had a hundred nice ones. That's so true. I can't imagine on your scale, but you're right. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. There's hateful people everywhere and one thing can really just leave a mark. And so let's just be nicer, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's exactly. Just be nice. So I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but what can we see next from you? Yeah, so... Right now, I'm really excited. I'm working on merch. So um, in the next like couple of days, so we worked on work uh, getting the storefront set up. So I'll have hats and stickers, which I really, really, really wanted to have crewnecks at the same time. But for anybody that is working in like apparel right now, you know the difficulties with getting wholesale. Production is just like super slow. It's really, really difficult to get stock in anything. So it's taken a lot longer than anticipated. I've been working on the design since like the summer and I'm really excited about the hats because I like hand drew it. So it's very much me. Cute. I'm working with Microsoft for the next couple of months. So they sent me like a tablet and I've been using the tablet to draw on it, trying to like really revamp my Instagram. That's something that I want to spend time doing, but I just, for whatever reason, haven't. But I've been like drawing on my tablet and I made these little like thank you cards that we're going to put in all of the merch. That's have, so cute. Yeah. I hosted my first event for Halloween and I'm really hoping that for next year, 2022, we can go to some other cities other than Austin and like 
host events, whether it's on the same caliber of the week, of the Halloween event or just something simple like, hey, I'm going to this workout class, like come at noon or whatever it may be, like let's go to a picnic or something like that. I definitely want to attribute more time to like spending it with the people that follow and support me. And then the Facebook group that I made, it's been going really well. I think we have like 3,500 people in it so far. So it's really cool to see like all of these different subgroups kind of build off of that of people starting to make their own plans in their own cities. So working on that. And um, what else? I don't know. Just kind of like working on the podcast. I'm starting to work on my apartment, which is fun to decorate that. And yeah, I guess just like (laughs) this sounds so basic, but like just living life, I guess, and just trying to figure out like what the next project is going to be. I've been pretty busy with like the merch piece. So next couple of days that'll come out and then I'm working on the sweatshirts and then I guess we'll see from there. Well, it sounds like you are certainly having fun on weekdays. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It is a Friday. So it's a Friday. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for letting me squat at your house while you're away. No problem. How can our reader (laughs) readers, what do I think I'm doing right now? (laughs) What? (laughs) This is actually a Kindle audiobook. Like they're still not readers, so I'm not sure what crap I'm on. Um, how can our listeners find you? So I have like a couple different means here. So my personal Instagram and TikTok is just my full name, Jenna Palak. For anybody who's curious of how to pronounce it, it's Palak, not Palak. And then (laughs) Palak, yep. And then my podcast, I have a TikTok that I'm trying to be more active on and an Instagram, which is fun on weekdays podcast for both of those. And then if you want to listen to my podcast, I'm on Apple, Spotify, and on YouTube if you prefer to watch. And it's just fun on weekdays. Do you record the whole interview? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I do everything on YouTube. I know there's a lot of people out there that are like visual listeners. I am personally too. But if I'm like in a car ride or something, I love listening. Now, it's funny because when I started the podcast, I never listened to podcasts. Now I do mainly my own, to make sure I don't sound like a complete idiot. Um, But yeah, the podcasts are fun to watch too, especially when I do it with a guest because you can watch like the interaction. But because it is recorded, there's days like this where I don't wear makeup and I don't do my hair. So I don't look the best. Yeah. So if you tune into some of the more recent ones, I've been like super stressed with the holidays. Uh, Just know that I don't typically look like that. Well, I can't wait to watch. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. So fun to always be on somebody else's, you know, like being the other side. Behind the Media is a Red Rock Music podcast and is powered by ACAST. I'm your host, Juliana Martins. Our producer is Emma Martins. Our executive producer is Red Yoakum. For more, follow us on Instagram at Behind the Media Podcast. New episodes weekly available wherever you listen to podcasts. Come back next week for another look behind the media.